This is a podcast from Delancey Elim Church. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 in the Delancey Elim Church building at Lake Bank St. Samson in the Channel Islands of Guernsey. To contact us or find out more information about us, please visit our website at delanceyelim.co.uk. Great um, sense of God's presence and time together. And um, what's really brilliant and uh, always never ceases to amaze me how great God is. But um, Andy doesn't know what I was going to speak on today, but um, I've entitled it Achieving the Impossible. And um, if you've got your Bibles, if you'd just like to turn with me um, just quickly to Genesis chapter 11. And. Uh, I just want to read you a verse, Genesis chapter 11. It's the story of the Tower of Babel. And um, I want to just look at one quick verse today. In uh, verse 6 it says, The Lord said, well in verse 5 it says, But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower that the men were building there. This is the Tower of Babel. And in verse 6 it says, The Lord said, If as one people speaking the same language they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. I'm going to come back to that in a moment. Um, I love a good story. I love listening to people's testimonies and life's journeys. And I love it when you hear a story of somebody who overcomes against all the odds, yeah? who achieves really great things um, despite having to go through something very difficult or a trying time or a disability, whatever it is. And um, I've been to quite a few different conferences now uh, in the past and, and listened to people who have really had a challenge in their life um, but have managed to overcome it and be great and successful for God. I remember um, a guy called Brian Galt who was born with no arms. I remember listening to him um, talk once at a conference seminar, and he was just, if you've ever met him or, or read about him, the most positive, happy person. And uh, it made me really think and put things into perspective in my life. He had no arms, but he managed to do just amazing things, and he had a great testimony for God. And it's great to see and hear, isn't it, people's life stories about how they can go through things and achieve so much. And I wonder, up until this point in our life, if we look back on our life, the things that we have achieved, what would we be able to say about our life and our achievements and our successes? Maybe there's things that we've all been through that are difficult, that are hard, that are painful, but we've managed to come through. We've managed to overcome and still achieve. I think back about my life and some of the achievements, although very small sometimes, um, took a lot of effort to get there. I think I've said before, learning to drive was something that took a lot of effort. But I managed to get there. The amount of times I sat in that car and said, I can't do this, I'm not going to drive anymore, that's it, I'm getting out. And, uh, you know, but I've done it, I've overcome. That's just something silly. But there's all things in our life that we go through. And... um, Sometimes we have to overcome great things, great mountains, great hurdles. But the key to achieving, I guess, is to find out what needs to be done and then go and do it. If you look at these people's lives, these stories, these testimonies, you can see how one person can achieve a great deal. But then can you imagine if you have a bunch of people who have the ambition to achieve what they can do? One person can do great things. But if you imagine 
a group of people, what more can they do? Just think, if we thought about the church worldwide, if we all decided to have that mentality this year of really going for God, for going for that goal, for having a mindset that anything is possible, where could we be? A couple of years ago, when I was in my other church, we had a building project, and we managed to raise £35,000 towards this project. And I remember being told then that we had to be careful not just to settle for that and just to coast for the rest of the time, because we'd had that great success and achievement, but to actually say, what more can we do? What more can our church achieve? How much salvation can we um, see in this place? What healings can we see? How influential can we become in our community? And not just settle for that one success. I think we can, we can reach far more and we can dare to dream big. And this passage in Genesis kind of demonstrates that little point. That if as one people speaking the same language they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. What happened here was obviously a negative thing. They were building the Tower of Babel. It it wasn't good. And that's why God comes down and, and, you know, disperses the languages. But I think this has got a key thing in in this verse because I think we see the language of God being revealed, that actually nothing is impossible. Now, I'm not one of these people who, um, you know, will shout up from the rooftops, yay, anything is possible, let's go for it. You know, generally speaking, I'm quite reserved and I'm quite kind of um, a realist sometimes. <laughs> I can quite see the negative and the, the criticisms, but I can't deny what I read in the Bible. I can't deny that we have an amazing, miraculous God who has the power, who says that anything is possible with him. And I don't think this story's just been put in there to show the division of language. I think it's been put in there to show how God speaks, how God thinks, and what he's listening for. Is there anybody out there that will speak this language of the impossible? We see it throughout the Bible. We see it in Elizabeth when she got pregnant, and um, she was barren, but she um, was able to give birth. And it says in that chapter, for nothing is impossible with God. When the disciples are questioning Jesus about, is it possible to see anyone saved? Jesus replies, yes, all things are possible with God. God never limits, and God is not a God of containment. And I think this coming year, as we approach 2012, it is 2012, yes, that we can do great things, that nothing is impossible with God. And from this little verse, there's kind of three ideas, I think, that I would love to see us adopt this year to encourage us to be these, this, that kind of church, that kind of people. First of all, it's the, the power of being one, the power of oneness. It says, as one people. Loads of different people came together as one. They were united and they were aiming for the same goal and it helped them to achieve what they wanted. Ecclesiastes talks about that two are better than one. If one falls down, the other can help that person. One can be overpowered, but two can defend themselves. Helen Keller, who um, you will probably know, she was blind and she was deaf, but she, she got a degree, a doctorate, she wrote many books. She said, alone we can do so little, but together, together we can do so much. Together as the people of God, we can do so much. One can achieve, but a many can achieve so much more. 
So John Hunt, who scaled Mount Everest in 1953, said the ascent of Everest was not the work of one day, nor even of those few unforgettable weeks in which we climbed. It was in fact a tale of sustained and tenuous endeavour by many over a long period of time. <coughs> one person can look like they've achieved much, but actually when you look behind that one person, you see a group of many people, don't you? Us ladies often say, you know, if you see a successful man, look behind his life and you'll see an even more successful woman. But it's true that there's like one person achieves that much, but behind it, there's a load of group of people that have helped that one person get to where they want to be in life. It's the power of oneness that helps us to achieve. And I think about looking beyond the surface of someone's life like Brian Gould. He himself testified to the many people that had helped him to get to where he was, to help him to achieve in his life. And the problem is, is that we can so often mess that up we become disunited and the power of oneness is lost. We become separated. But we need to be a people who stand together because the oneness will help our church achieve. There's no, I'm not talking about agreeing on everything. Being united is not about agreement. We will all disagree on many different things this coming year. There will be things that I believe and think of that you would say to me, Poof, I don't agree with that at all. And vice versa, I'm sure. But the power of oneness is not about agreeing necessarily, but it's about sticking together, being one, being united, and saying we're all going to move forward together. We might disagree on how this should be done, on that should be done, where we should go, what we should do, but we're going to stick together. We're going to be one, united. I also think that in this little verse here, not just the power of oneness is seen, but the power of communication is seen as well. For they, uh, in verse 6 it said, um, they're speaking the same language. This year I want to encourage us to be one and stand united, but I want to encourage us to speak the same language, to be a church that goes forward. What do I mean by that? I think we need to be speaking right. What are we saying to one another? What are we saying about each other? What are we saying about our children, about our marriages, about God, about our situation? What are we saying about our job, our government, whatever it is? Are we speaking positively about such things? So much power in our speech. Ephesians says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Is our speech helpful? Does it build others up? Does it benefit the person listening? I know I have stood here and confessed before about the difficulty I find sometimes in making my speech wholesome. It's so easy to get into that place where we speak negatively. So easy to speak and criticise and to, you know, tear down. But is what we're saying helpful? Does it build others up? I know, just from my short experience of teaching, how my words have the power to impact people's lives. You know, if I build a student up and I praise them and I, I encourage them, then they in turn will be appreciative to me. They will be encouraged. They will have a different attitude towards me and my subject. But I know as well, and I've experienced, if I'm critical, if I'm negative, if I, if I speak you know, not great, then that also has an impact on that student, how they feel, how they think. Words are so powerful, aren't they? I think we need to think about how we speak. In my childhood and growing up, my parents were always quite 
brilliant at speaking words of encouragement into my life and speaking well. And actually, I've never even experienced anybody shouting at me because my parents never raised their voice or shouted at me or anything. It was a bit of a shock when I got into the real world of work and got shouted at a bit. But, you know, I, I never had that experience because they built me up. And, you know, I, I, in turn, was always pretty, pretty positive to them and kind and encouraging to them back. Words have an effect. They're definitely not just words. Sometimes we need to we need to stop and think, and think about what we're going to say, and is it going to further this church, our cause, and generally the cause of Christianity as well? Is it going to cause the person listening to rise to greatness? Will it increase their confidence? Will it encourage them? You know, when we do something in public speaking, we always prepare really well, don't we? If we're going to speak in front of people, we, ha- we know what we want to say, we have it written down, we prepare for that, we practice for that. Most of the time we do that. And yet when we speak just generally, we don't have that same approach to it. But maybe we do, maybe we do need to think much more about what we say. In Philippians it says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right and whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything be excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. If we're thinkers of such things, then we'll be speakers of such things. Because our mouth, what comes out of our mouth usually comes out of our heads and what's within us, isn't it? There's enormous power in communication. We should never underestimate our speech. It has the power to build up, but it has the power to destroy. If we as a church can speak the same language, turn our speaking around and together speak well and positive and I think we'll see great things for God. It's the power of being one. It's the power of being united together in our vision and our goal. It's the power of our language and our communication and what we say of one another and what we say about our place here. And finally, I think it's about the power of inspiration because in verse 6 it says, nothing they plan will be impossible for them. That's what God said. He looked down and said, nothing they plan will be impossible for them. Look at them. They're one. They're speaking the same language. The Message Bible says, no telling what they'll come up with next. They'll stop at nothing. Wouldn't it be great if God looked down at Delancey Church and said in a real positive way, no telling what they'll come up with next. They're inspirational. They're creative. Nothing will be impossible for this place. And we serve a great inspirational God, don't we? You only have to look around the creation of Guernsey, walk on the beach, on the cliffs, just see everything that is so amazing about who God is. And he's such an inspirational, original, creative God. And we have that power in our lives. We have that power too, to be released, to be inspirational to others. I think there's two kind of key things with inspiration. It's first of all to believe that it is possible to believe that we do have a mighty God. I don't understand that. I don't understand everything being possible. I don't get my head around that. I can't. But what I can trust and believe in is that God is so much bigger than me, so much greater, so mysterious and so amazing that I'm going to put my trust in that. Michelangelo said, the great danger for most of us is not that we aim too high and we miss it, but that it's too low and we reach it. We serve a God who speaks the language of everything is possible. You can do great things. If you limit your choices only to what seems possible or reasonable, you disconnect yourself from what you truly want and all that is left is compromise. What a wonderful quote. I don't want to be a person of compromise or a church of compromise, settling for second best, being satisfied with a little when we have the opportunity for greatness and we have an opportunity for a lot. 
we have to step out in faith sometimes. As Andy was saying, it's stepping out, isn't it? Someone once said to me that faith is spelt R-I-S-K. It is spelt risk. Believing it's possible. And secondly, about just rejecting rejection perhaps in our life. That many of us, sometimes we're too quick to quit when we've only just started or just begun. Alexander Graham Bell, he offered the right to the telephone for um, $100,000 to Carl Orton, who was the president of the Western Union there. And this is his reply. He said, what use would this company make of an electric toy? And you know the famous story of Google, don't you? In 1998, when the co-founders of Google, they um, suggested to Yahoo that they did a merge. And um, Yahoo rejected them. And uh, they said to the Googlers, keep working on your little school project. Come back when you're grown up. Five years later, Google had an estimated market capitalization of $20 billion. And I'm sure that's probably the search engine we use today. On the rejection slip for George Orwell's Animal Farm, it said it's impossible to sell animal stories in the USA. And the British author, John Creasy, had 743 rejections on his way to publishing his first book. I probably would have given up on my second rejection, maybe even my first. And we might have in our life a place, a time where we felt rejected. We might feel that today. And it stopped us from moving forward. It stopped us from achieving. It stopped us from trusting in God. But just like these examples here, they had rejection, but they didn't accept it. They didn't let it destroy what they wanted. They didn't let it destroy what they were going to become or where they were headed. They kept on going. You know, Moses believed in the promised land. He suffered 40 years of being rejected by those he was trying to lead. But he believed in it. The prophets believed in their vision and their dreams. They suffered endless rejection throughout their lives. The apostles believed in the church but they learnt to rejoice in their sufferings. Whatever we are believing for, we can't let rejection get in the way. We have to reject that rejection. We have to keep inspired. And by believing that anything is possible, and by rejecting that rejection, I think we can do this. You know, this morning, there'll be many of us have got great things in our life, God-given gifts and talents. And I think this is the year where God wants to say, Let's release those. Let's see what I can do. I am a massive, amazing, almighty God that you can trust in. And I have great things in store for you this coming year. We need to be a people of inspiration as well to achieve great things for God. So let's go back to this verse. The Lord said, if as one people, speaking the same language, they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. I think this year we can do great things for God. But I think the key is to be one, to be united even in our disagreements, to have a power in that oneness, to speak the same language, to trust in that almighty God who says anything is possible, to trust in him and to speak well, to speak positively, to speak good. And finally, to be an inspiration to believe in God, that he can do all things, to reject the rejection of our life, to reject the things that pull us down and drag us down and that stand in the way of us overcoming. And I think that this year is really exciting because there's great things in store for us as a church. Because I think that these three things are summed up in this little clip that I'm about to show. And um, it's of this father and son team who show the power of working as a team, the power of oneness, 
They show the power of speaking right and saying, I am not going to let this stand in my way. I'm going to overcome. I can achieve. And finally, they are an inspiration. They have rejected that the disability in his life and they've overcome and they've believed that all things are indeed possible. And I want to leave with this little, um, this little clip now. Thank you. A brilliant um, story of greatness, of inspiration for us all. But you have that greatness and that power of the story in your life as well to be inspirational in that way. I know uh, below the surface of each of us here, there'll be things, there'll be challenges, there'll be difficulties, stuff we have to overcome. But maybe we can have that mentality as well because we believe in a God who is amazing and who is great and who is mighty so that we can say we can. We can do that as well. We can overcome. And just let that word and all that we've encountered today just sink into our lives. And as we approach this new coming year, think, yeah, together we can do this. Together we can overcome. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Delancey Edom Church. For more podcasts, information, or to contact us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk.